But Father, speak to us. Teach us. You have your plan and your purpose for your children during all seasons. And this is a season of quiet. This is a season where you have withdrawn your children from the world. You tried it all these years. It was not possible. So you shut the whole world down so that your children could spend time with you. So we once again come to you. We pray, Lord, speak to us, teach us, commit the ministry into thy hands, Spirit of God. You are the only one who can speak to the ones who got saved yesterday, the ones who were there from the beginning. To the children, to the young men, and to the fathers, you are the only one who can speak. So speak to us, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. We'll turn to 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, and we will continue. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, <clears throat> but test the spirits, meaning there are so many spirits that are released, especially in the last days. We have to test whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Imagine if this was true when John was writing 2,000 years ago and the church was so small and the apostles hadn't reached the ends of the world, the word hadn't reached at all. By this you know the Spirit of God. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. This is talking about the spirit of man. The spirit behind every preacher. Every servant of God. <clears throat> okay? You know the spirit of God is operating through that spirit of man. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And? And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this, then identifying, they do not speak about this. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. It's already in the world. The spirit is there. Okay, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You are of God, little children. And have overcome them. Who is them there? The servants of God, within quotes, who are preaching the gospel which is not true according to the word of God. You little children, even you little children, have overcome them. Understand that. You have understood. You had the discernment to know that. Okay, there's something wrong with this. This spirit does not confess, acknowledge Jesus came in the flesh. So, we continue, and the title could be, unless something better comes up, Beware of the Spirit of the Antichrist. <clears throat> so, we will see this conflict, that is the conflict between God and man, began right in the beginning in the garden. God made man in his image, placed him in the garden and gave him the free will, gave them the free will. 
to choose and showed him the danger of that choices too. Let's go to Genesis 2, 15 and 17. Then God, the Lord God, took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So you see, man is given free will. Otherwise, there's no need to give these commands. He didn't say that to any animal. He told it only to man. Okay, only to man. Because man was made in his image. So with that free will, he gives him the choices. Makes very clear the danger of a wrong choice. Then man will exercise his free will. And defy God's will. And death and separation will ensure, come, ensue. The law was given much, much later, but it in many was only a temporary structure to limit the damage that came through. Okay? Temporary thing. Shadow, as the Bible calls it. God's, not Hitler's, God's final solution (laughs) was always a new man in Christ Jesus. That was his solution. In short, like you, I mean, engineering. I'm not an engineer. I think it's listening to Pastor Vijay. I come up with these engineering examples. Okay? If you talk about plane engines, primarily there are only two types. Right? Uh, okay. Engines. Yeah? Jet pro- propulsion and the other one. Only two types. Okay, there are only two types. Some like old science physics class. Um, okay, <laughs> in the same way, if you want to look at it that way, in short, there have been only two men prototypes. It is Adam and Jesus. Okay, that's why it's called first and second or first and last. Only two prototypes. There's no third one. Adam, Christ. In Adam, all died. In Christ, all can live. All lived, all can live. There is no third man. There is no third alternative. So God sent his son as man. How beautifully Jesus uses these two terms. Turn with me to John chapter 5 and verses 25 to 27. John chapter 5 verses 20. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Did you see that? Son of God, Son of Man. Okay, he makes it very, very beautifully, beautifully clear. Son of God and Son of Man. So, God sent His Son, the Son of God, to be this Son of Man. God's solution for this. So, this is the conflict, this decisive conflict between the will of God and the will of man. is going to be reconciled only in Jesus Christ. So, when the Son of God comes as the Son of Man, in Hebrews 10 and verse 7, he makes this statement. Okay? 10-7. He makes this statement. 
Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. The Son of God comes in the flesh as the Son of Man and he makes this definitive statement. I think it's just before he slips from realm 3 to 1. Somewhere as he's slipping in, he makes this statement. Behold, I have, and the next thing you know, he's in the embryo. I don't know when he said it, okay? I'm just speculating. He makes this statement, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. To do your will, O God. The Son of God becomes the Son of Man. So you will see this conflict is revealed right from the beginning. There is this Son of God who comes as the Son of Man who has come for one purpose only. I will show how to live. How man should live. The will of God. The man should only do the will of God because God is good and his will is perfect. His will is righteous. and That's the only way man should live. And you will see that conflict from the time he appears. Okay? So if you look at the first words of Jesus Christ recorded, is recorded in Luke 2 and verse 49. And 50, 49. He said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? The first recorded, you will realize. Now, they are doing it. There's no malice in their hearts. Please don't misunderstand. There's no malice in Joseph's or Mary's heart at all. But annoyingly, they, they don't understand the will of God in his life at all. So you need to realize sometimes there will be very good meaning people in our own lives. It could be our own parents. Okay, They don't understand what this born again business is, what it is to walk for the will of God, live for the will of God. They may not understand it at all, like Joseph and Mary didn't understand. But the problem is, do we have the discernment to know what is the will of God for us? When good, nice, well-meaning flesh talks, and it is not the will of God. Okay, so immediately there is a conflict. And he says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And verse 50 says, they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They didn't understand what he was talking about because they are flesh. They don't understand what he is and who he is and the whole purpose that he has come to do the will of God. And he is able to discern the will of God very, very clearly. Meaning, what was written, Hebrews 10, 7, he is living it out. Behold, in the volume of the book, it is written about me. I have come to do the will of God. The next thing you will see him, next time you hear him speaking, is in Matthew 3 and verse 15. 3 and verse 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Now, who is he speaking to? This is the greatest of the old covenant prophets. But even he could not discern the will of God for him. Okay. Even John could not discern because under the law, you cannot discern the will of God. The most righteous man under the law. Who is that? John. And John is not able to discern the will of God. He is saying that you should be baptizing me. It sounds so good. But it is wrong. 
That's not the will of God. The will of God for John is that John should baptize Jesus. The will of God for Jesus is Jesus should get baptized by John. That is why he uses the word us. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Not me, for us. Okay? So you need to understand what it is to fulfill the will of God. How? Because that's the reason he came. Next time we hear him is driven by the will of God, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness and he has these temptations. And every time he responds, what is he saying? I will not do my will. It's my father's will. I will not. His stomach is sticking to his back and he's craving for food. But he says, not my will, but my father's will. Okay, every temptation, what he's, we talk about him quoting scripture, spiritual warfare, all that is true. But you can be absolutely wrong in spiritual warfare and quote the word of God if it is not the will of God. You have to understand what is the will of God. And he's saying, this is the will of God. This is the will of God. Okay, like uh, Elijah could have looked at that angel and said, no, man shall not live by bread alone. But for him, he was to get up and eat and go to sleep and eat again. Okay, you need to understand. Okay, here, the will of God. The next incident you will see him is after after that incident in John chapter 2 and verse 4. He said to a woman, what does your concern have to do with me? You see that? Because how do people, godly people, righteous people, fall off the will of God is when a suggestion comes from people who are really good and really close to them. How did Abraham flip and create an Ishmael? Because Sarah spoke it. Sarah is not a bad woman. And a concern is also not bad. And it agrees with the culture. But the problem is that was not the will of God for Abraham. And Abraham had no discernment. Okay. Now, is Mary is a wonderful lady, godly woman, but she does not understand the will of God at all. So he said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? So everywhere you will see, he's absolutely, what we say in English, on the money about the will of God for him in every situation. Whether as a 12-year-old child, with his father and mother, whether as a 30-year-old man with the greatest, most anointed man in the old covenant under the law, or with the devil himself in temptation, or in a wedding party. It's a wedding. Right? And then again, John chapter 7, verses 2 onwards. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. What is he saying? See, everything they say actually is very logical. Sure. You have to do God's things, God's ways, in God's place. Right? You have to do God's things, God's work, in God's ways, in God's place. But the only problem here is the timing is wrong. And he's able to discern, this is not the time. This is not the time. Not my will, but your will be done. 
I have not come to do my will. I have come to do my father's will. And then you go all the way to Luke 22 and verse 42. You will realize he ends his life, his entire ministry is that. Saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is the greatest conflict he's going to face. When the most powerfully his will is trying to exert itself. Blood vessels are literally popping left, right and center. That's the struggle he's facing. But even there he wins over the flesh. Not my will, but your will be done. Why is this so important? Why is this so important? Because the spirit of the Antichrist hides the life of Jesus Christ from us. In the church. And it will only show us his death. It hides his life. And it's a very dangerous thing which people don't understand. And I primarily believe one of the greatest weaknesses of the church is the life of Christ is hidden. Only the death alone is magnified. Why? Because the death of Jesus Christ reconciles man to God. But the life of Jesus Christ reconciles man even more to God. I'll show you. Romans 5 and verse 10. 5 to 10. For if we were enemies, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his, shall be saved by his life. You see, the purpose of that, the purpose of death was to take away the wrath of God from man. The penalty of sin has been paid. The purpose of life of Jesus Christ so that man could learn to walk with God again. That was the whole purpose. Remember Genesis 2.8 in the cool of the evening when man heard God walking. That was a usual this thing. Every day Adam and Eve walked with God. And they ran and hid themselves. Okay? Ran. That's why you have to see these patterns in the Bible in Genesis 4. You run to turn to Genesis 4. Abel, the first shepherd, offers blood. What is that symbol? For the penalty of my sin. Okay, And then he becomes a shepherd who is killed. So he becomes a prototype. And then the next thing you have is seven generations later, Hebrews 11, you have Enoch walking with God. That's after Abel, you have only Enoch mentioned. So there is a penalty, the blood, death that is offered to take the wrath of God away. And after that, the next person you see, seventh from Adam, he's walking with God. And out of that work will result the third man who is a work. Our work should never result without a walk. And that is the confusion that is created. That's why nothing about Enoch is mentioned at all because he symbolizes a walk with God. God did not save man to work. God saved man that he should walk with him. Well, today also, so many people wrote to me, Uncle, Uncle, no, uh, please teach us. How do we walk with God? What is the will of God? No. What is the will of God for me? You know, it is the will of God for us to walk with Him. That's the will of God, to walk with Him. That's His will. Work is secondary. Primary will of God is that you walk with Him. That's what it's saying. 
it's so important that we are saved by his life. He came in the flesh, lived and died and rose again. Okay, so where do we begin? We begin with his death. To his resurrection power. His death we are reconciled with God. You receive his resurrection power and then we have to move into his life. We have to move into his life. We have to understand this. Otherwise, we are missing out on the huge portion of the work which Jesus did. The thing is that we have to learn from Jesus. His life is our example. We quote all the other people and all, but remember, the only pure person who walked with God and showed us how to walk with God is Jesus Christ. That's why his work is so, his life is so important to us. He picked up his cross, he died to self, and he lived for his father's will. That's what the statement he makes. Behold, I have come to do your will. First, we need to understand then in the perspective. Now, we are not talking to the world or anybody, to the children of God, God's children. Okay? God's children. The answers we kind of give as pastors. Pastor, what is sin? Child, this is sin. To do your will is sin. Okay. Pastor, what is righteousness? To do your father's will is righteousness. As simple as that. Because you need to have different, different, different definitions of sin to really understand whether we are sinning or not. Sin is lawlessness. Immediately law, IPC code, everything comes in. No, we are not talking about... It, 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 it generalizes it. Generalizes it. Okay. What is sin? Do your own, do your own will is sin. What is righteousness? To do God's will. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Now you look at that same words in a different perspective. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you live by faith, it's the will of God. It's the will of God. Okay, You don't have to worry about sin. You don't have to worry about sin. Death, the life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is given. That is power to live that life. Live by faith. That's what in Galatians 2.20 Paul understands the secret. Okay, he is one man who learned it after Christ. He learned from Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, meaning I have died to my will. It is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he brings that thing, faith there. By faith. By faith. How do you live? Paul, tell me. Faith. By faith. And therefore we have to go back to the most well-known words, Romans 10, 17. Okay? Theory, practical. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So there are three components in this one statement. First component is hearing. Second component is word. And third component is the proof that faith has come. Okay, 
Okay? Faith has come. Right? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing from the word of God. And how do you know? You heard and it was the word of God. It has come. Faith has come. Okay? Faith has come. But it all begins with the word of God. That is why in the beginning was not hearing. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. That is Jesus Christ. The beginning was word. Okay? Like if I sit here like this, you can have the best ears in your... <laughs> no? But you hear nothing if I don't speak. Okay? So in the beginning was the word. God spoke. In the beginning was the word. But remember, the word of God, you have to be very, very careful with the word of God. Security features. It's very dangerous. Like yesterday in the Hindi meeting, I was talking about about the gun. Right? One of the first things they will teach you about the gun is it's a very dangerous weapon. You can kill yourself. So they don't teach you to shoot first. They teach you everything about the safety catch and how you need to hold it. I know people don't shoot like that. Actually, after much practice, actually, you hold it so that no? because now recoilless guns and all, they're old days and people, they almost broke their shoulder. Okay? So they teach you all safety piece, features. Okay, in the same way, the word of God, Second Corinthians chapter three six, is very dangerous. The word of God. He has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, of the spirit. Why? Letter kills. It's the nature of the word. The letter of the word will kill you. The spirit gives life. It's the word of God. Handle it with care. Meaning. Every servant of God has to be absolutely, totally humble enough to depend upon the Spirit of God. Because the letter of the word kills. The word of God comes with statutory warning. No letter by the Spirit only because it kills. So you have this conflict when Jesus is preaching. Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees are dressed nicely and they are the custodians of the word. But everywhere they go, they're killing. People are dying under the word. And then Jesus comes and he brings life. He brings life. Okay, the letter kills. And the entire Old Testament is the law, the letter. It just kills. New Testament pattern is Jesus Christ. When the Spirit comes, there is life. There is liberty, there is life. And that's what Jesus meant in John chapter 6 and verse 63. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Because I'm not speaking to you the letter. The letter kills. Thou shalt not kill. Will kill. If you only go by the letter, it will kill you. That same commandment you received will kill you if you don't understand what is life. The life is, thou shalt not be angry. That very letter, we don't realize, is the most deadly thing. It will take you to hell if you don't understand what it means. You go by the letter. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You know what? That letter will kill you if you don't understand what life is. Thou shalt not lust. That is the command. The letter kills. The Ten Commandment kills. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven image of anything in heaven and earth or earth, whatever below. Lord, I have no idols in your heart. It will kill you. 
because you don't realize the idol in your heart will take you to hell. Because you look and say, wow, I'm not a Hindu. I have no idols in my house. Look at my house. No idols, God says. You've got too many. The letter kills. The letter kills. Okay? So please understand what Jesus is talking about. The life of Jesus Christ. When the Spirit comes, my words are Spirit and they are life. Who is that gives life? The Spirit. So he's talking about, I am speaking to you through the Spirit. That's what Paul preaches and prays, not preaches. Ephesians 1.17. I want you to understand this difference. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, you need to understand this very, very clearly. Okay? The entire Old Covenant, the entire Old Covenant is based on knowledge, wisdom, understanding. The entire Old Covenant. You will not read the word revelation in the entire Old Covenant. It's not there. God will reveal. The word reveal is there, but the word revelation is not mentioned once in the Old Covenant. Understand that. The New Covenant begins with revelation. Begins with revelation. You have to understand, you have to understand this incredible difference between the Old and the New Covenant. Old and New Covenant. Okay? So, one of the simple examples is Jesus asks, Who they? Who do people say I am? All wonderful answers. And every answer is based on knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Then he asks Peter. He asks them, Who do you say I am? And Peter only says, You are Jesus, the Son of God. He says, That's revelation. That's revelation. That did not come from knowledge, study, hearing messages or anything. Yes, you had all that. But this is revelation. This is from above. This is revelation. Okay? Understand. This is what we need to understand the difference. We don't understand. We don't understand the life of Jesus Christ. The life to which you are being called. Let's learn from Jesus, okay? Let's go to Jesus, how the Father started him. Isaiah 50, verses 4 and 5. He, he comes as the Son of Man in the flesh, and he's growing up like any little good Jewish boy. Okay, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. But how did it happen? A word in season to him who is weary. Then he says how it happened. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the Lord. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Simple our language. He learned the Torah. He learned the Torah. He knew it by heart. Like any Jewish word. He learned the word. He learned the word clearly. He learned the word. Okay? And then at the age of 30, we see him out. We have this entire 30 years hidden of Jesus Christ. At 30, he's out. And then we see Matthew, just one verse. Matthew 4, 3 and 4, two verses. Matthew 4. When the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now let me tell you, this is revelation. It's impossible for anybody to take this and connect it here. It's not possible. You can be the best scholar in the Bible, and if this was not written, if the same question were asked to us, nobody will connect it unless the Spirit gives it. And every one of the temptations. It will not come from knowledge, it will not come from wisdom, it will not come from understanding, it can only come from revelation. But we need to know the word. Faith comes from hearing from thee. So he knows his text well and leaves the rest to the spirit. And that's why Jesus says, don't worry when they take you before people what to say. You just know your text well. The power is not in the word that you know. The power is when the spirit comes upon the word, it will destroy the temptation. That is the sword of the spirit. Our job is to study the word. Know the word. Okay? Even if we don't understand, it does not matter. Keep hearing, keep listening, keep studying, keep memorizing as much as possible. Do it. Once it is revelation, you also know it's not yours. It was given. It was given. You see, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, all can be acquired with hard work. With hard work. Can be acquired with hard work. And you need hard work. You cannot have revelation without wisdom, knowledge and understanding. You cannot. If God were to reveal you, you do, know, you do not even know where this text is from. So there is a lot of hard work that goes. Okay, There is a lot of hard work that goes. That's what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15 and 16. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, but shun profane and idle babbling, so they will increase to more ungodliness. Do and don't. He's telling a simple, this thing to every child of God. One, stop wasting time on the phone, Timothy. Timothy does not have a phone, but he's telling, stop wasting, talk, 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 Timothy. I know you were brought up by your mother and your grandmother. So you got that habit of wasting time talking. Stop babbling. Sit and study the word of God. Young man. All the places I went around, altogether the spirit showed me only one or two who are worthy for the next generation. You are one of it. and You talk too much. Study the word of God. 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 And then he says, in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. But I remind you to stir up the gift of God which, you, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You can study as much as you want. But remember when I laid my hands upon you, I passed something on to you. That's from where revelation comes. Otherwise you will be just a studious preacher. Don't forget that. Timothy, stir that up, stir that up, stir that up, stir that up. That's the hearing part. Okay, that's the hearing part. Now I will tell you about, we'll go further, okay? Now there is, an, there is not much issue with studying the word of God. We all can. If we have a language, it's pretty good. Any one language is enough. Like I said, one language is English, of course, is the best because you have so much available in English. But any language is enough. If the scripture is available, you can sit and study and do everything you can do if you're very good, competent in the language. 
study. You can study. But the problem is not with so much with studying. The problem with st- half the problems with most of the pastors I have encountered is they don't study. They are lazy. They are lazy. No, laziness is not tolerated ever by God in the Bible. Laziness is not tolerated. They're lazy. They don't do their work. Okay? But the problem is not with studying, if you're not lazy. The problem is with hearing. Okay? Hearing. It's like my glasses. Every now and then, three, four times a day, you have to clean. The problem is there's no problem with my eyes. The problem is with the glasses when it gets blurred. I can't see clearly. Okay? So 1 John, chapter 1, 8 and 9. You want to hear, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanses the glens of my soul so that I hear clearly. There's only one thing that separates man from God. From the beginning till the end. It is sin. Sin blurs. Okay? Sin blurs. Now, in this case, in this case, what is it talking about? We sinned, we have sinned, and we confess, God cleanses us. But if you look at Jesus' life, you will see another pattern. In science, in medical science especially, in the world, we say prevention is better than cure. That's what the government is doing. What is all this? Why is the entire country world shut down for 60 days? It is called prevention. It's better than cure. Look at Jesus' life. Okay? To prevent, there are three steps. Primarily three steps. The first step is what we looked at. Surrender. Behold, I have come to do your will. Okay? That is the surrender part. And that is important. If you look at any prototypes in the Bible, successful prototypes in the Bible, you will realize their life begins with surrender. And the surrender was complete. So we look at two in the New Testament, just that surrender part, and one from the Old Testament. We already saw Jesus, Hebrews 10, 7. Now go to Acts 9. Verses 5 and 6, the second best prototype in the Bible. He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goat. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, you will be told what you must be to do. Okay, immediate response is surrender. Immediate response. And his surrender was real. Surrender was absolutely real. He surrendered immediately. Okay? So first thing you need to have is surrender. This is, this partial surrender won't do with God. You please talk to me, Lord. And then after he, you hear, you think you hear, Lord, that's too difficult for to do, Lord, please. And after that you hear nothing. Things like that don't work with God. Okay? Look at the old covenant pattern. Genesis 37 and verse 13. Thirteen, thirteen, one, three. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Sishem? Come, I will send you to them. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a request. It's a statement. So he said to him, Here I am. Here I am. It doesn't, 
no, no excuses, nothing even. You have so many servants in the house. I'm the young one. My brothers don't talk to me. They hate me. I'm the only orphan. Nothing. Here I am. And everything subsequent that happens into his life to the point he will sit on the throne is because of this one statement. Here I am. Okay. So you see that in the life of Jesus Christ, a type in the Old Testament, many types in the Old Testament, in the, in the prototype in the New Covenant, that it begins with that. Here I am. In the volume of the book, it is written about you and me also. Show me. God says, first say. I will show you. I'm willing to show you. But the life of Jesus Christ always begins by saying, here I am. I've come to do your will. Then the father showed him as he was growing up. He didn't show him anything in the beginning. Once he came in the flesh, everything was hidden. And showed him what he needs to know as he was growing up. It begins with surrender. It doesn't begin with knowledge. And a lot of people want knowledge before surrender. God says, it does not happen. It does not happen. Okay? So you have surrender. And then you have cleansing. Okay, you have cleansing. In Jesus' case, it's different. Others and all. So three days, Saul of Tarsus is fasting and praying. And the cleansing is taking place. Okay? 13 years for Joseph. Absolute, total cleansing is taking place in his soul. That when he comes out, there is nothing, no malice, no anger, no revenge. Nothing, only righteousness and mercy. Balance beautifully, justice and mercy. So he could really love his brothers, take care of them, yet bring them to the point they all repent and come into the kingdom. Okay, But for that, he has to be cleansed first. So you need to understand the way God works. So the thing is that prevention is better than cure. And we learned that from Jesus. That is Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. What do we practice from Jesus' life? Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly prayer. So what is happening here? Jesus knows one thing. If my glasses are blurred, I will not hear properly. Hearing is not the problem. Hearing is that my father will always speak because he loves to speak to his children. He is the one who wants to walk with us more than we want to walk with him. So my problem is I should hear clearly so I have to proactively attack sin, prevent it. So his entire prayer life was primarily focused in preventing sin ever happening. So we have to learn from the life of Jesus Christ. Now that we are saved, the penalty of sin has been taken away. A new man has been made inside in the image of Christ Jesus. We learn the new man's prayer, not the old man's prayer. The old man's prayer is always, forgive me, Lord. I felt God says, okay, I forgive you. How long will you run in these circles? Learn from my son's life. How did he pray? His prayer was all preventive. And therefore, he heard very clearly. Glasses were very clear. He heard very clearly. One, there is surrender. Absolute surrender in his life. Second, he's, this thing is clear. Lord, see that I don't sin against you, Lord. That's what he's crying. Save him from death. Not death on the cross. But there's another death that could come to him. Wages of sin is death. Lord, see Lord in thought, word, deed. Let me not sin against you. You, the devil can, will tempt me today too. People will tempt me. All kind of things. But Lord, 
That is his prayer. And God says, this is the life of my son. This is the life that will save you. That brings reconciliation with God. It will cause you to walk with me. And that is one little picture is given in the Bible in Mark chapter 1, 35. Busy day. Okay. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Why do you have to? Because the pressure of ministry. Pressure of ministry. When crowds are all around you. The pressure of ministry. Lord, I have to speak. I have to do. I have to think. And it has to be your will. I should not sin against you. Because I have to live your life out. Your thoughts. Your words. Your action. No taint of sin in it. It should be your will and not my will. Okay? So, each one has to choose their time. Today's timings are all. Each one has to look at your life and choose your time. How we have. We are not putting a pattern because everything has changed after electricity came in. Everything has changed. Okay, honestly, electricity is another revolution which changed mankind's life. Earlier it was lamps. No, so people put off and went to sleep. Now night is like day, day is like night. So you can choose. Okay? Dying to self. Living unto God. Every day he is resolving the conflict of Adam. Every day. Okay? What do you want me to do? 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 Many of us don't have to ask. We've already been told what we have to do. In his case, he's an itinerant preacher. He's not a pastor preaching like Paul is in Ephesus. He knows what he has to do day and night for three years. Three years later, he realized, I love this church. The church loves me, but I have to move because he has heard. Okay? So we all know what we have to do. Generally, we all know. Until there is change of direction, we don't have to worry about it. But we know proactively we have to attack this thing called sin before it comes. Do your will. In his case, because he's an itinerant preacher, he has to be absolutely clear to decide what he's going to do each day. So you will realize that day he leaves the entire town and goes somewhere to preach, which people would have been very offended in the flesh, but he needs to do God's will. This is the gospel of the Son. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of the new man. The death of Jesus Christ should be followed by the life of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 6. The construction is very interesting. Romans 6, 6. I love it. Knowing this, that our old man Can I go to KJV? Yeah. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, not was. Every day. It's a living reality. You know how the meaning completely changed? No. Every day. Knowing this, that our old... Because, not that he was. He is. Every day I have to wake up and realize the old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed and henceforth we should not serve sin. Knowing that Adam is sinned, Adam is crucified, Christ lives. They cannot live together. Either Adam lives or Christ lives. Each day, 
That's what he is doing each day. I mean, which pastor doesn't want to sleep when he had a full day service? Yesterday, I, you know, I said all that, but by the time I fell asleep, it was 12.20 again. Okay. You say, I want to say I'm so fresh. That's what Jesus also, my God, Jesus' ministry was nothing like ours. Boy, he must have been tired. Because he had preaching, deliverance, healing. Preaching, <laughs> deliverance, healing. And I believe he hardly got time to eat too. Because that happens. And the crowds are there. You, you remember, my food is to do, the, you get so excited, you forget your meal, and he must have been tired. But he still wakes up in the morning because, you know, you know what? There is something here. I cannot neglect it because unlike us, he couldn't afford to blink when it comes to sin. Not even once. So, okay. So, we need to understand. Daily battle. It's a daily battle between the old man and the new man. Adam and Christ. There's a battle going on. And it has to be won. And the old man and the new man. And the most beautiful way is put by uh, Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Onward, seven. First, let's look at seven. Four, seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What am I? Matika Bharatan. Earthen vessel. What is the treasure? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not me, the old man. It is Christ, the new man. And then, the conflict is shown very clearly. We are hard pressed on every side. The world is pressing on you. Yet not crushed. Christ is never crushed. If you live in the old man, you will be crushed. That's his saying. How do I know? It's not me, it's him. Because if it was me, I would be crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, not destroyed. Oh, now look at verse 10. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. He does not say, in my body, I am manifesting the dying of Paul. No. Dying of Paul is not the foundation of the new man. The dying of Christ is the foundation of the human. How did Jesus die daily? That's my foundation. Not the dying of Paul. In the body, what am I carrying? Not the death of Jesus Christ. Death is one event. He died on the cross. That is not how he died daily. The dying of the Lord Jesus is what I carry. Daily he died. And it was first reflected in the prayer life. And how do we know about that? By revelation by the writer of Hebrews. It's all given later only by revelation. Not by any, not by wisdom, knowledge. It's all given by revelation. This is how he prayed. And this is the reason he prayed. Are you getting it? By the dying in this body, flesh, as a dying. And verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. The death of Jesus and the life of Jesus. Delivered of it for Jesus' sake. It is Jesus. Please understand this. That is why Jesus is the foundation of our faith. Is the foundation of our faith. He is the prototype. We learn from all the others where we see the Spirit of Christ. You see, His death. And his life. We begin from his death, go to his resurrection, that is the power, and then we live his life out. 
And how did he live? For the will of his father. We'll prove it through scripture. Okay, strange scriptures. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 63. Verse 1 onwards. Who is this who comes from Edom with the dyed garments from Bozrah? This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone and from the peoples no one was with me. For I have thrown them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. The blood is sprinkled upon my garments and I have stained all my robes. Verse 4. For the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me and my own fury, it sustained me. Okay, strange words. Let's go to words 1. Who is this who comes from Edom? With dyed garments from Bozra. Bozra was one of the capitals from one of the kings of the sons of Esau. Okay, grandson. This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the strength of, of his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to say. But wait a second. How can you come from Edom? You come from Israel. You don't come from Edom. Edom is Esau. Esau I have hated. Jacob I have loved. But it's scripture says you come from Edom. So how did he, how did he come from Edom? That is Jesus who came in the flesh. Jesus who came in the flesh. He came in the flesh. As man, as Edom. You came from Edom. And verse 2. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads? Answer, verse 3. I have trodden the winepress alone from the peoples. No one was with me, for I have trodden them in my anger, trampled them in my fury. The blood is sprinkled upon my garments and I have stained all my robes. Now hold it there. Okay? And verse 4, yeah, verse 4. Vengeance. For the day of vengeance is in my heart. And the year of my redeemed has come. Now let's look at Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. Jesus manifests when he comes. Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay? Now let's go to the same portion in Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who are mourned. Suddenly he brought the day of vengeance of our God. Okay? Got it? Let's go back to Isaiah 63. Because we have to look at it, it has a prophetical application. It has got for us a 
absolutely daily spiritual application for the day of 63 yeah 63 one onwards sorry yeah who is this comes from edom with dyed garments from bosra this one who is glorious in his apparel traveling in the greatness of his strength i who speak righteousness mighty to say why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the wine press what is he talking about he came in the flesh it's talking about his prayer life the peoples of edom all the manifestations of the flesh how he is crushing it in his flesh so that we can be redeemed every day that's how he comes from edom how he fights it he's showing us a way he says you have to go through the same way i've shown you the way you don't have to worry about the penalty of sin now you have to break the power of sin edom is flesh edom is flesh this is the conflict when he came out after his prayer closet he trod on edom every day let's see how it is first peter chapter 2 verse 22 onwards who committed no sin no deceit was found in his mouth he came out there's no lie he opened his mouth it was only truth no lie nothing to change to enhance his ministry or flatter people nothing when he opened his mouth he had crushed edom one of the manifestation of the flesh is the lying spirit nothing in his mouth when he was reviled he did not revile back he dealt with anger no response you can revile him you can call him you can say whatever you want there's no response in the flesh flesh is dead crushed edom Edom said, I'll kill my brother. He crushed Edom. No anger. When he was reviled, he did not revile. When he suffered, he did not. No vengeance. No vengeance. Absolutely no vengeance. Let my father die. And I will show you. Absolutely. Crushed. He overcame. all these peoples what are these peoples galatians 5 19 to 21 and more and like that's how it ends in edom now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry sorcery hatred contentions jealousies outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions dissensions heresies envy murders drunkenness revelries and the like all that is included into our flesh represented by edom and jesus crushed it and he was wearing a garment of victory over the flesh that's why he comes out of edom that's what god was talking about law could never do that romans 8:3 for what the law could not do in that it was speak through the flesh the law giver moses law came through was disqualified because of anger he lost his temper after holding it for 40 years he lost it that's how much the law can help you, you can hold it 
and then lose it. And this got disqualified. The sweet psalmist of Israel goofed up big time because the law was weak through the flesh. What did God do? What the law could not do. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Sinful flesh. And he condemned sin in the flesh. Meaning, I'll show you. I'll show you. You can try whatever you want. I will not allow Edom to manifest. I will trample all the peoples of Edom. Every sin on the flesh, I will win over it by the power of my father's spirit and show a way for all the other sons to come. I'll do it, my life, not just my death. Death is for the penalty. Life is to break the power of sin. This is the gospel. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Heights half. Heights half. There are various peoples of Edom. Please remember, no one had ever come from Edom. And God hated Edom. Malachi chapter 1, 2 to 4. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in which way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? That's Edom, says the Lord. Yet Jacob I have loved. But Esau I have hated, laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. And out of Edom he came. Out of Edom he came. Understand? And there was another grandson of Edom called Amalek. That's one of the grandsons of Edom. One of the manifestations of the flesh. Okay? And when Israel came out of Egypt in the desert, those were the guys who attacked them first. And this is what God has to say. He won over them and this is what God told them to say in Exodus 17, verse 15 and 16. Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Look at what God is talking about Edom and his sons. I hate Edom. I despise Edom. My wrath will never cease against Edom. And from generation to generation, I will fight with his children. And he comes out of Edom. Comes out of Judah. And conquers Edom. The flesh. And then he says, from generation to generation, my other children also can win. I've shown them the way. This is what God did through his son. In that despised flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh, the father showed us a way. You can. Don't go by Adam. Go by my son. You can. Don't make excuses. You can. What did Jesus do? He did it through the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will. But if by the? He says, I have given you the same Spirit. My son was born of the Spirit. You are born again by the Spirit. My son was filled with the Spirit. 
you can also, you are also filled with the spirit. If by the spirit you put to death the de- deeds of the body, you will live. You can. I showed you before you. My son's life is portrayed. Forget the death. That's taken care of our penalty. What about the life? How did Jesus walk? Galatians 5.16 If I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. And S is capital there. Walk in my spirit. As my son walked, he came in the flesh and walked in the spirit. This is where the life of Jesus Christ saves us. Romans 8.4 The righteous requirement of the law. What is the righteous requirement of the law? Life. In the spirit. Obey God. Do the will of God. That's the righteous requirement of the law. Right? Might be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is the life of Jesus Christ. That it is fulfilled in us too. But what do they say? No, Jesus, I am righteous. Jesus died. I believe in his death and in his atonement. Thank you, Lord. I am perfect forever. Let me lead my life now. And if you fall, God understands it is okay. God says, this is a lie. You are negating completely the life of my son and just focusing on his death. And then all the preaching is tuned to your uncrucified flesh. Makes the flesh grow even more and more and more and more and more and more. You are making a mockery now of both of my son's life and death. That's what the Antichrist spirit teaches. It teaches, it denies that Jesus came in the flesh. Remember what I said on Sunday. There are only two manifestations on earth. Either it is Christ manifested in the flesh or Satan manifested in the flesh. And Satan loves this message. Because every time a child of God does not realize that, he manifests through both Gentiles and God's children. He manifests and he gets his glory. And he thumbs his nose at God. There's no third manifestation. It's either Jesus, Adam, or Jesus. Adam lives, Satan gets the glory. Jesus lives, Father gets the glory. There's no third. Please remember, there's only two realms above us. Two spiritual realms. And the spiritual envelops everything else. You know, there's something common about all of us. Breathe in. We all got the same air in. We all got the same air in. It's either Satan or Christ. By manifesting the flesh, it's immediately Satan. He gets the glory. By manifesting the spirit, God gets the glory. It is invisible. The air in us is invisible, but it's all the same. Getting it? That's why spirit is same word, ruah, breath. This is where the word of God comes, and the word of God divides. Why it's called the spirit of the sword of the spirit? That the word of God is when it is living, it will divide between the soul and the spirit. Look at what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter three, verses one and two. 
Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able. Why? Three. For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, these are all manifestation of the flesh, right? As soon as the word of God becomes a little tough, the babes are immediately manifested. You know that, right? It's the word of God that manifests. Pastor is too hard today. He's speaking on me. Immediately. The word of God divides the babes and the spiritual. What is a baby? All flesh. Only knows the death of Christ and does not want the life of Christ. So the word of God itself is an instrument that is used to divide. That's why all the Antichrist messages are always aimed at soothing the flesh. God loves you. You don't have to tell me that. I look at the cross, I know that he loves me. He cares for you. He hides you under his wings. Never anything about you need to change your life. You need to die to your flesh. and Live for the will of God. You need to pick up your cross daily. That your flesh is your worst enemy. I will not feed your flesh. Because if I feed your flesh, Paul would say, I am a servant of the devil and not the servant of God. We will preach Christ crucified. We will preach the cross. Look at verse 3 carefully. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like? Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. What did you say? But isn't that what I'm supposed to walk as, as a mere man? No. That's Adam. You're not supposed to walk like a mere man. You're not a mere man. You're not a mere man. What am I supposed to walk as? First Timothy 6.11. Then what am I supposed to walk as? Listen. 6.11. But you, man of God. You're not a mere man. You're a man of God. If you're a man of God, flee these things. These things of the flesh. Flee these things. And pursue the things of God. Flee these things. This is the transformation. When flesh is being put to death every day, Christ is revealed. Flee, pursue. Flee, pursue. Okay? And that's the mystery of salvation. The mystery of godliness. So people like shocked. Absolutely shocked. You know? 53 days earlier. Roughly 53, 53 and a half, 54 days earlier. This same guy who told everybody, including a servant God, I do not know this man and started cursing in foul language, fisherman's language. 50 years later, hear O men of Israel, Judea, Jerusalem. How did he, how did he become like this? Isn't this guy who betrayed Jesus, who's standing now and talking about Jesus, the Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Savior, how did he stand before this multitude? What made this change? 
So life of Christ. Everything changed. Look at Acts 9, 1. And then 20, 31 and 32. Saul still breathing threats and murder. Meaning even his breath was full of that. No? We have different kind of people. Uh, if you are a Jain, you will see a smelling of garlic. No, Jains don't eat garlic also, I think. No, yeah, no. The smelling of garlic, the smelling of onions. No, what did you eat now? It was full of onions, we'll say. That's not Saul. It doesn't matter what he eats. He breathes threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. I mean, that is a very powerful usage. It's an angry, zealously angry for Yahweh, breathing threats and violence. Then you come to Acts 20. Among, 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 from among yourself, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and... What happened to this guy? Now he's preaching Christ with tears. How did this happen? He was breathing threats and violence against the disciples of Christ Jesus. Now he's weeping and working among the disciples of Jesus Christ and holding them close to Christ. How did this happen? This is the life of Christ. We got it? He showed us a way. How this, by the Spirit, you can put to death the flesh. Again, go back to Hebrews 5, 9 and 10. Every day. Having been perfect, no, he suffered. In his flesh, he really, really, really. Let's read from verse five, seven onwards. Then you will get the whole picture, especially new ones. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered a prayers and supplication, honestly, all the new ones who have hearing, all these ones who came in this, I'm telling you, you got a great start. Change your prayer life from today. Let the major portion of your prayer be this. Lord, let me not sin against you. In thought, in word, deed, Lord. Help me, Lord. I believe it is possible because it is written. Let me die and let your son live. You will hear very clearly then whom to pray for. Much of prayer is uh, uh, is a waste of time because we are praying without hearing. The Holy Spirit is not able to pray through us because the Holy Spirit struggles to come to us because flesh is very much alive. In this case, the Holy Spirit, his flesh is dead, so the Holy Spirit is working through him. So God says, this is the format. He was son. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. If you are a servant of God, what is the biggest thing you have to suffer every day? Wake up early and pray. Fasting and prayer is the suffering of flesh given to every servant of God. You have to fast, you have to pray. There is no if there. It's given to you. Fast, Pray, study. Keep your ears open. Listen carefully. So it is a suffering even. And you're suffering for whom? The flesh. Flesh hates it. But this is also a suffering prescribed to all children of God. All children of God. Depending upon your work, pressure, everything. Make I'm not putting a law like this much you need to know. God will, the spirit will help you with that also. You never have to worry with the spirit. The spirit will tell you when to wake up and when to stop. All that. 
that's one thing about the holy spirit it's like you know it's like uh, you know we as fathers when our children were small we took them for a walk and after some time they will say my legs are tired and immediately we carry them now we are also walking with them on the shoulder we don't make we don't say no 5 kilometers is mine 5 kilometers for you we never do that with the children that's why god is talking about if you fathers who are evil know how to give good things to your children how much more will the father give you the holy spirit so in these kind of things you never never have to worry about the spirit of god he will tell you all these things when to start when to stop when it is enough you know all those things you have to believe that god is that god we sing god is good but he is good all the time so there you see though he was a son yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and verse 9 and having been perfected he became the author of salvation to all who obey him okay now it is talking about his life he becomes the author of all who we have to obey him every day pick up put, pick up your cross deny yourself allow him to look when we obey him the voice of his spirit he says he becomes the author of salvation you are being saved 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 the flesh is being trampled edom is being trampled the peoples of edom is being trampled now go to hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11 for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings by whom are all things for whom are all things in bringing many sons to what glory, glory. you don't reach glorification from justification to straight to glorification no there is a process in between called sanctification so god put him through the sun through the ringer so that we will learn what is the process for the process unlike him even if we fall we have we have like no we have he to go back to he couldn't even fall see this is what happens say i fell today and i go to the lord lord i failed you lord please lord forgive me because he says if you confess you know what he says he just tears that page off that page from my life is missing are you getting the picture when we go to heaven and our books are opened we will see that our books will have so many pages missing because it tore it off the only book of life in which every page is that is jesus because he never sinned never sinned but we sinned and we cry there's it off it immediately wiped off immediately wiped off so we have to look at we are not living his life per se because that life none of us would ever be able to but he says i've shown you a pattern you can and i'm there for you i am there for you and that's what he's talking about 210 perfect through suffering and now look at 11 for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one one life i can't have another life his life is my life we are all of one he lived whose life the father's life whose life do we live if we live his life it is father's life we are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren do not ashamed this is life is the same life is the same it does not say the blood is the same 
Because the old covenant, the old uh, life of the Adamic man, your uh, lineage is by blood. Blood. If you look at Jesus coming back and he says, he never uses the term blood, you know, flesh and bones. Only flesh and bones. Because now life is not in the blood. Life is in the spirit. Life is in the spirit. So we all share the same life. We shall because why he says he's not ashamed to call them the spirit, the same spirit living through us. So that's the people God is preparing. They deal with flesh every day. They know God hates Edom. They know God is at war with Amalek all the time. They also know he came from Edom in flesh and showed us a way. They allow the sword of the spirit. That is Hebrews 4. 12, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. Remember, there is a good side of the flesh because we eaten both good and evil. And we have to die to the good also. We don't want to do the good of the flesh. We want to do the good of the spirit. The simple question, I always put this, this thing before. I have to ask pastors also in Mark chapter 135. We don't have to go over there. And the father told him, go preach. But he decided he will heal the whole town. The whole town would have said him, he's the most righteous man we ever met. The father said, you're wrong. Absolutely wrong. You contradicted my will. Which man would ever say what he did was wrong? Except God. Imagine that day, that day he didn't go. As the father told him, go to the other town and preach today. Instead, he stayed back and delivered, let's, let's say, 50 people of demonic possession and 600 people of their sickness. So you will say, whoa, what a day. What a great day of ministry. But he himself alone would have known, today is the worst day of my ministry because I disobeyed the voice of my father. Though everything he did is good, but God says good in the flesh, not in the spirit. That is what the Bible is talking about. Your works will be tested by fire. What will come through the fire is what was heard and done. Cutting through the soul and the spirit. Jeremiah 49 and verse 10. Because it will help us to identify every place where Esau is hidden. I have made Esau bare. I have uncovered his secret places. What is Esau? My flesh. I have uncovered his secret places. He shall not be able to hide himself. What will do it? Only the living word of God will do it. Even if everyone's... Jesus, I tell you, I will not betray. Jesus looked at him and said, you will. Three times too. How did he know? Because the Spirit told him. Bare. His flesh was bare. I have made Esau bare. I have uncovered his secret places. He shall not be able to hide himself. His dissonance are plundered, his brethren and his neighbors, and he is no more. God says, that's what I will help you if you want. I will destroy your flesh. He will not hide. Nothing will. So that you will also will come to the point, like my servant Paul, and says, there is nothing good in my flesh. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Hidom is flesh. Amalek is flesh. This is the life of Jesus Christ. And this is 
the the message the spirit of antichrist hates because if people understand this message within the church uska to chutti ho gaye finished because how has he deceived the church is by taking the life of jesus christ away okay he understands the entire purpose of that's what hebrews 7:24 and 25 says 25 and 26 sorry yeah he has unchangeable priesthood therefore is also able to save to the uttermost who comes to god through him since he always lives to what are we going telling him to save us from our flesh lord today lord please lord today another day is coming lord i want to surrender lord help me lord and we cry out to him for such a high priest was fitting for us kya baat hai for those who are fighting edom their flesh you have a fitting high priest how we see holy harmless undefiled separate from sinners and has become higher than the heaven look at that. what a high priest such a high priest is fitting for us who who goes to him every day to save him from himself that's the kind of high priest we want not the other kind of listing are uh, not the other kind of high priest who says first he has to offer for himself no please no uh, don't follow me just listen to my preaching don't imitate me we all make mistakes no what is that's not is that did you learn from a servant paul he said follow me as i follow christ you can look at my life you can imitate me you can imitate me. he can save us to the uttermost from edom hebrews 10:19 and 20 therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of jesus what is that penalty of my sin by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his what is that his life Are you getting it you can come boldly i will explain to you in a simple way that people who are listening will understand imagine my son little fellow let's not he's not little fellow let's imagine when he was a little fellow any one of the children okay think about it did something that was wrong okay and i caught him is very apologetic sheepish apologetic this thing okay i said okay forgiven you this time okay don't do it again he's happy forgiven but on the other hand okay he's forgiven he is very happy he goes but the other hand it has really struck him deep inside and he decides you know what i'm never going to do it again i am going to now pursue what my daddy likes and i look at him and says wow you know what hey andrew come here let's go for a walk now what's happening is that he not only did i forgive him of the penalty of the sin he's pursuing something which i like therefore I want him to walk with me now and he is able to walk with me now. Are you getting the picture? Now this should be the aim of salvation. People are just thinking about salvation lord when I die I don't want to go to hell I want to go to heaven. Salvation was never about that. Salvation was about man wanting to walk with God again and God more than that wanting to walk with man again. 
That's the second thing. Go back. Go into the Holy of Holies. How? Through the blood. What does the blood do? Cleanses me. What does the flesh do? Makes it easy for me. Because if my flesh is dead, who is alive? Christ. Christ always has access to the Father. <laughs> who stops him? Nobody stops him. You have fellowship with the Father. And these two things we need to understand. And this is the message of the cross. The old way. Okay, the tricks you have to understand. When the devil knows you are saved, he will try to take you back to the law. And by the works of the law, nobody can please God. It is impossible to come to God. He will trick you. What is the new way? The death to the flesh. The life of Jesus Christ. By the Spirit. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my. People turned it to preaching. That was not talking about that. He says, when my power comes upon you and you understand what the gospel is and you allow the Holy Spirit to do my work in you, you know what? The world will be full of people like me who die to self and live for God. This is what happened. That they took John's head off. Jesus stood up and preached, repent, the kingdom of God is over. They took him off 120 rows. The devil does not realize. You take one off, ten will rise. And Jesus said, this is what I said, I will send. It's good for you that I go. I will send somebody just like me that they will run out of people to kill. Because many, 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 many people like me will rise. Not in time. Everybody thinks of glory, majesty, power and all. Those are pagan gods. No. People with that life who died to self and live unto God. You shall be my witnesses. That's the witness. What are we a witness of? The life of Christ. We are a witness of the life of Christ. People immediately want gifts and miracles. and That is gifts. That is not the life of Christ. That is gifts. Gift does not mean it is part of your life. A magician can do magic. That does not make him his life. At home with his wife, he is not doing magic. He will not do magic and eat on the dining table. Nothing will come. He will starve. He does magic to make money, to take that money to the market, buy, and then the wife cooks and gives him. That is not his magic, it's not his life. The gift is not my life. You shall be my witnesses. People get this completely off tangent, what the power of God is. And you will see it manifested 40 days later when Peter stands up. The life of Christ is being manifested. So he is God who came in the flesh and he will have witnesses on earth. So please know this. As I close, let's go back to 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. 1 onwards. Yeah, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. 
you are of God, little children, have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You can beat that lie and live that life. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. The preachers of the Antichrist are of the world. So what will they say? They will say it's not possible. And they will feed your flesh. And if you are of the world, you will hear that message. And you will be excited about that message. They are of the world. Verse 6. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By this we know. Are we getting it? Please understand this. Very, very important. It's very, very important. Why? Because God cannot speak to flesh. 1 John 2, 18 and 19. Little children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Why did they go out? Because flesh will not receive the word from the spirit. Flesh will be offended. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now we are not talking about people who left church. Okay, Please don't misunderstand. We are talking about what the word of God does. It divides flesh and spirit. And flesh will not be able to live with spirit. It will not be able to. And we have to be very, very, very careful because God can speak only to the spirit. The more we die to the flesh, the more clearly we hear. Right? God only spoke once to Abraham. Leave your father, your household. Then he waited. As long as he did not enter into his father died. He didn't speak to him at all. For years he didn't speak. Because flesh is alive. How can he speak to him? As soon as his father died, he spoke. He spoke. Next time God spoke to him is when Lot left. That is another flesh. God spoke. Next time God comes and speaks to him 13 years later is when he tells him to cut off the flesh. Cut off the flesh. Cut off the flesh. Let me now, I hope children are not listening. Okay, Only men over here are putties also. God, so it's good. Let me ex- explain to you what it actually means. Actually means. Okay, and God had put it across in a very, very personal theme so that people understand. He says, why didn't he say that this is the covenant between you and me forever? You cut away the tip of your ear. Or the tip of your nose, so it will be very visible. Now he said one thing, circumcise. When the male is circumcised, then only his head is revealed. Till then the head is covered. When the flesh is cut away, the headship of Jesus Christ is revealed. Till then the headship of Jesus Christ in your life is not revealed. That's why circumcision is. 
And that's the most intimate union between a man and his wife. And you know what? If there is no circumcision, every union is painful. Without moving the foreskin, you cannot have intimacy. God says, you want intimacy with me? And your head to be revealed? Circumcise your flesh. You will have intimacy with you. We will be one. That's why he put it over there. We don't understand. People think it's about sex. It's about hygiene. No, sir. This is an eternal truth. It's an eternal truth. You will be one with me. When there is no flesh, when the sun walked on earth, the sun said, my father has never left me. Never left me. My father is with me. Because there was no flesh in him at all. When the devil came, the devil, he said, the ruler of this world has come. The ruler of flesh has come. He found nothing in me. So he was one with his father. So you need to understand how God is talking to different ages, different cultures, or what he's trying to say. You know what? Salvation is that I want to walk with you. I want to be one with you. This is what it is all about. It's not about works. Works is secondary. You should come out of that union. Work should be a result of that union, not outside the union. So we look at it and we look at it that way, we will realize, oh yes, this is true. The biggest hurdle in my life is not the devil, it's not even the world. It's my flesh. If I can handle this, I can handle them both. I can handle But you will only want to handle it if you look at unity with God as the main thing you want. Fellowship with God. Walk with God as the main thing. And Why is this so important? It is important because the more the flesh dies, the more you will hear. And you need to understand something about this. It is towards the end of his life that Jesus spoke the most important parts of his message. You know Jacob? When he's about to die, he says, sons of Israel, listen to what your father, okay, flesh is almost gone, his flesh is almost dead. So he's hearing so clearly from God towards the end of his life and tells prophetically what is going to happen to Israel. He's still passing. Still some of them have to come to pass. Understand? And Jesus also. You know what? In Jesus' life, the final discourse is from in John chapter 13, where he has the Passover, final Passover. At verse 31, Judas leaves. Judas leaves. From 13, 31, all the way till 16 and 16, 33 is his discourse. 17, 1 till the end of 17 is his prayer. And 18, he goes to his death. And that's one of the most important lessons the disciples will ever get. You know when he was able to teach them only? When the last sign of flesh left, then only he could teach them. Judas had to go. Everybody has left. All the disciples have left. The crowds have left. Everybody has left. All flesh has gone. One more is left. And once he goes, he speaks. And you have to go back every day and read from 1331 till... 17 and you will understand the mystery of Jesus and the church. It's all in that. When was it given? When there was no flesh left there. And he spoke to them. Even they didn't understand, but he could speak to them. He could speak to them. So we look at all those patterns and say, you know what? What is stopping me from hearing clearly and clearly from God? It's my flesh. It's my flesh. 
Wake up each day and say, Lord, you know what, Lord? I want to die to my flesh today, one day at a time. You know, you hear clearly. You hear clearly. There is no fear in the midst of pandemic. (laughs) Just imagine old Jacob thinking about his father, grandfather, and all this thing, and all he says, Joseph is alive, his heart is torn, Joseph is alive, but he's in Egypt, he's in chariots. Lord, what do I do? I love that boy, but I'm afraid, Lord, am I going against him? He went to Bethel, offered, God said, go. Confusion is over, right? Go, son. Do you know what he said? I'll go with you. That's what he told him, I'll go with you. And he said, Joseph will close your eyes. You think about it, what comforting words he's hearing. You go to Egypt. Don't worry, you go to Egypt. I'll go with you. Joseph will close your eyes. All the tension gone. Tension is gone out of the wind. No? It's gone out of the wind. And God says, this is what I want to tell you. How did my son walk on earth? He walked tension free. Though he was faced with opposition, Every day of his life. But how did he walk? Because he died to his flesh and heard from me. And he walked. And how did he begin his life? With surrender. Behold in the volume of the book, it is written about me. I have come to do your will. So what do we say? Know your text. The volume of the book. So you need to know what is written in the volume of the book. What is your will in that volume? I will tell you. Don't worry about it. A lot of things you know, what not to do, what to do, you know that, fine. Rest I will tell you as you keep walking. But you need to know in your time, I will tell you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this evening, once again we come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. So many of your children are listening. And everybody's struggle is this. One struggle, common to all men who have come through repentance to salvation. I pray, Father, this desire to do your will will be there. And I pray there will be a drastic change in our prayer life, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray to hear, but we do not pray to clear those clogs of flesh. In our uns- we have uncircumcised ears because flesh has filled our ears. Oh, Father, I pray, we will hear first for uncircumcised ears. Each day, one day at a time, die to flesh. Hear clearly. And then, oh Lord, how easy it is to walk with you and to work for you. Because then we know we are doing the will of our Father. Then we know we are walking by faith. Then we know we are pleasing our Father. One day at a time. Pray all your children around the world who are listening will receive this. And there would be a transformation during this quarantine period. That a testimony of Christ would emerge into this world. Men and women walking refusing Satan, you will not be manifested in me. It's Christ who will be manifested in my flesh. That God would have witnesses in every place. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you. Once again, bring your church everywhere under the blood. Protect your people. Preserve your people. Keep your people, Lord. And I pray for your servants everywhere, Lord, even in this city who are listening. And all the pastors around the world, Lord, protect them. Let them be true servants of God. Not looking at numbers, not looking at reputation, not looking at mammon, but looking unto you. And be true servants of God. Let a different kind of servants also arise after this quarantine. Who will shepherd their people with love and with kindness. Hearing clearly from God and leading them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That the life of Christ will be manifested, Lord, on earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.